Hi, my name is Pat Live and welcome to Love the Music. Today is Tuesday, February 9th, 2021. Hot Lips. It's a name that conjures up a multitude of visuals. Definitely a name or word intended to grab your attention. Hot Lips is also a trio of incredibly skilled musicians forged together to form a single powerhouse of electro-grunge rock by founder Carly Forget. Bassist Alex Black and drummer Keith Hepler complete the trio. I've met or seen all three musicians at various times with different bands, two of them playing different instruments. I first saw Carly behind the drums for Girls Give Me Pills at Cherry Cola's back in 2015. Alex, I met playing violin with singer-songwriter-guitarist J.C. Sandoval. And Keith, well, I've followed him through three different bands, Secret Broadcast, The Crooked, and now Hot Lips. The first time I saw these three perform together as Hot Lips, they were opening for Crownlands at the Horseshoe Tavern in Toronto. Only this time, Carly was front and center on vocals and synth, while Alex was on bass. As for Keith, it's virtually impossible to tear him away from his drums. Somewhat reminiscent of Amy Lee of Evanescence, Carly's hauntingly beautiful vocals follow the dramatic moods and swings of the synthesizers, weaving throughout the thundering bass and the rhythm of the drums, the trio providing audiences with an unforgettable show. Hot Lips released their debut EP, American Hardcore, in 2017, followed by four singles, two of which we'll hear on this show. The band has also produced six visually intense dramatic videos, each one telling a specific story. Their most recent, Femicide, dropped a couple of weeks ago. Ladies first. (laughs) Uh, Carly, uh, vocals, Hot Lips. Alex, bass, Hot Lips, and some background vocals sometimes. Keith, just the drums. A little history on Hot Lips. How did it come to be? Um, well, I put out an ad, what, like five years ago now? Basically, I've been drumming in Toronto for a good decade and kind of decided I'd like to step out and try my head singing, which I always loved. And I put out a demo for song Limelight that we have out. It was our first single release. And Keith responded to the ad. And it's funny because I listed my influences and I said, you know, Nine Inch Nails, Queens of Stone Age, Dime Mannequin. So he responded and was like, hey, I'm a drummer for Diamond. <laughs> he knew Alex from some tours where Alex was the tech on just some Diamond tours. So we honestly just hit it off. It was really easy. And we just went from there and just kind of grew. And before we knew it, it was this full-fledged thing. Now, I met you originally. When I was playing with JC, right? Oh, at the yeah. baby G. Yeah, that's yes. right. Yeah, I just like to sneak time. up behind people and play violin and then kick them and leave. Yeah. 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 Yes. He was doing a solo thing. Yeah. 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 Acoustic. I actually, I have my claim to fame is I played Crooked songs before any of the other members of Crooked. <laughs> no, no, I did. I did early Crooked demos. Liar in front of people. Oh, no. Gosh. All right. Yeah. No lie. <laughs> you win. Yeah. yeah, I always do. And you've been with a few. Secret Broadcast is one of my first real bands, and then I moved down here, and uh, I was lucky enough to like sort of sideman around. But there was definitely like I don't know something, an itch that wasn't being scratched, like artistically and musically. So when I kind of 
I don't know. I kind of knew that um, some of the stuff I was doing probably was reaching maybe the end, or at least for a little mm-hmm. while. And I become so accustomed to playing all the time that like I, I wasn't just gonna sort of take a pause. So when I found that the ad that Carly posted, and we kind of figured out actually that we played together a bunch when we're drummers. Yeah. We I was in a band. The first time we met, I was in a band called Saigon Hookers. It was my first show ever with Saigon Hookers, and we played at uh, the Horseshoe. And I, I we sort of just one day in the van talking and figured out I'm like, Oh, did you wear like kabuki masks and have like a lot of electronics? Yeah. She's like, That was me. I'm like we put that show together. Yeah. It was that time where I decided to get a drum rack and, and incorporate an acoustic kit and an electronic kit and make the oh sound guy's God. life a complete That's honestly why I remember it. I remember she was a great drummer, but I just remember I was still learning the songs because I hadn't been in the band that long, but I remember the sound guy getting really worked up. It was so mad. We only oh. used that whole setup for like three shows. I was like, it's not worth it. But wow. yeah, even no kidding. through all the bands I've been in, this one... I like I've I've got a, like I love everything I've done and stuff, but this one I'm I'm way more involved in, you know the, this the creative side. Yeah, this isn't just, just a fine drum. This isn't just a guitar-based drums rock band, right? It's like a little bit more, and it's I always looked at it. I can't speak for everyone else. I always looked at this thing as like an art project, entirely. So it's all like just as much as like our music is always the most important, but the aesthetic, the the vibe, like the photos, yeah. everything. It's all one big cohesive idea looking at where you were a year ago and looking at where you know basically where were you a year ago (laughs) where are you now and where do you figure you should be now that uh, you know what should you be doing now question what where like a year ago it's a three-parter one thing the three of us all agree on is like we believe band should play like we we're not we're not interested in playing one tour a year. Like we're very interested in like consistently playing. So a year ago, we were just finishing our first U.S. run, right. um, and we had just secured a management deal, and we were just about to sign to a booking agent. We we, we sort of did that through the summer and through the fall. We actually, this is the tour that we were right. we should have been on. It should be wrapping up. Should have wrapped up last weekend. Yeah. But um, we, we managed to play the first one. And then in terms of like where we think we should be, that, I mean, we should, we should, I mean, we would like to be on the road, but we, when this happened, it was kind of a good opportunity for us to take, we've never taken any more than like a week off in the past two and a half years. So we actually took, I think maybe six weeks off. Which we hadn't done for, and we we always made sure our schedule was as full because that's the way we like to work. We just like to be busy, busy, busy. Right. But actually, one of the sort of the silver lining of this pandemic is we were finally able to just take not that there was any animosity in the band or any tension. We just thought like, well, this is a good time to take a break. And now we've come back, and Carly, who's always been a primary songwriter, had has had like so many good songs that we're just in here working on, uh, and we're up to twice now. The the, the the restrictions are a little less limited. We're in here twice a week, um, just working on them, just going through them like we always have. And we're trying to plot tour dates for November, which is optimistic, but we're really hyper-focused and working with our team for the new year. So this time last year, you were 
on a tour, finishing up the tour. Just wrapping up our first yeah. this U.S. Time, tour. This year, you should be just wrapping up and your then we're 2020 prepping. tour. We would have been prepping yeah. for Summerfest, too. Exactly. Right? So that brings us into you, Carly, to you've been writing. Yes. So lots, lots of writing during the shutdown. Does the music, the, the, the pieces that you're writing, does it reflect what's going on now? Honestly, like... Um, as a person, just a personality, I'm pretty like stoic usually. I'm pretty good with just taking an emotion and and dealing with it and leveling it. With but honestly, this COVID thing has affected everybody, and I've written a lot of stuff that is very different from our usual stuff. It's still really moody and it's like electric and epic, but it's still it's it's changed. I've kind of discovered like the last five demos I've sent them, it's gone from like, like almost like a hot lips dream pop to an electric industrial to a Queens of the Stone Age, you know, vibe and six six. Like it's really actually been a really great time for writing because it's the first time since we've started this band that we have a breath to really be creative. Whereas before we always were, but there's always like always deadlines. Deadlines. There's always deadlines, and it's like if you want to make this grant, you need this. If you want to make this festival, yeah. you need this. This has to be done before we. This has to be done in, before we leave for this tour because this is what we're promoting. Right. So it's always organic, but it was a bit constricted. Whereas now, there's all these things, and we have the time to come in here and explore. Like, what works? What doesn't? What can we really push the boundaries of what Hot Lips is? So we've come up with some really cool songs that we're really excited about, and we're, we're going to go into the studio hopefully next month. And, yeah, it's still going to be Hot Lips, but it's going to be a little bit more... It sounds a little bit more focused and developed. It just feels yeah. like there's what sort of... What I was of... just going to ask you is you, it sounds like you're more focused on... Exactly. Well, just really like focused the... on the music this time. You can really focus on the music. It just feels like a really natural progression. Like, we're... we're um, it's good to see progression, and we're seeing it sonically. Um, it doesn't... It, and also, like, it's, it's cool. It doesn't take us as long. From this, from hearing the demo, to sort of, uh, we always kind of have a moment where we look around the room, and uh, we'll be like, "Yeah, I think that's like done." We we usually try to the the one thing that we can't do this time around is we usually get it to that point, and then we'll go play it live, two or three times, just to oh. see how it fits in with everything and what people's yeah. response is to. And we chisel it out too. Yeah, and somebody's like, oh, the, this it, we need to boost the tempo, or did anyone else feel like I felt crazy fast? Yeah. And but yeah. so we don't have that luxury, but that's cool. I, I think we've we've been we've been at this long enough that we're we're getting getting pretty proficient at it. The songs have changed, but the direction hasn't. You're still hot lips. Yeah, we're still. I mean, I think it's rooted in the core of who we are as people, which is why we clicked from the beginning. Is we're all into so many different styles of music, but when it comes down to it, we're really into heavy, um, intense, intense intensity, genuine, genuine, emotional, and that still comes through, um, even with the new stuff. Even though it might be some might be a little lighter, some might be a little funny with the tempo, but it's still all hot lips. And I think with any band, especially one like ours that we started from the ground up really organically, 
it takes a while to really find your sound and we did and we know what it is now so now even when we write and we try different styles it still always sounds like us how would you describe your sound we we keep using the the term that was coined on us was electro grunge and it's like it's sort of a natural evolution from what people it's kind of what i think should have happened after that like great group of uh musicians from the 90s but didn't and then we got stuff like puddle of mud instead people were starting to really get a hold of like synthesizers properly and it wasn't just sounding like pre-programmed sampling and there was actual raw motion and like guitar music that wasn't necessarily just about this this perfect solo is more about songwriting. So sort of the marriage of these two things for me would have made sense to like combine this these this incredible electronic evolution element that's been going on with like this really smart songwriting that's visceral and from the heart. And then it didn't really happen. Going back to the keys that you're playing. Yes. You're on synthesizer? Yes. The whole thing with me starting to play the synth in the beginning was Partially because I wasn't used to standing without anything in front of me, being a drummer. Mm -hmm. And also because I want, we, we needed that full sound. And so I was never a synth player before, and this all just kind of developed. Yeah, when we first decided to practice, she's like, I'm going to play keyboard. So I'm close, like, I don't have one. I'm like, doesn't matter. <laughs> just, just get one. <laughs> and then the first time we showed up, she had like the, the microcorg in a box. So do you ever go back to the synthesizer sounds? Of the 60s? Our type of music, I usually kind of go towards more of an EDM type of sound. Like the deep bass, really grungy, that like saw, saw type almost electro. The guts. Exactly. Yeah. The buzz sound. Because with yeah. the absence of a guitar player in our band, like that sonic spectrum needs to be like you need to compensate somehow. So like a lot of those early synthesizer sounds were peppered on top of like, you know, like a Joy Division or something. Yeah. Peppered on top of like a really cool guitar part, but we don't have that. So you need to find something that fits in the spot where the guitar would normally be. How are you in, on an individual level coping with what's been going on out there? Like I said earlier, honestly, it's affected all of us. Um, obviously, as musicians, this is a big hit because we will be one of the last people to be able to continue what we do. Um, we don't know when that's going to be, and we basically just have to ride this wave and, and be as productive as we can, but it's a roller coaster, like it always is in this industry, and it's really tough because... You have a team, you have management, you have booking agents, and everyone's kind of in the same limbo, and um, it's really hard to... Plan think, anything. Yeah, you, can, you really can't. You can be as proactive as you want. So affecting us personally, I mean, as artists, it's, it's really tough. Like, you're always questioning yourself, like, are we doing enough? Are we doing too much? Are we... Um, getting lost in the fray of what's happening online? Like you said, everyone's posting everything, so... There's a lot of new f emotions and questions that we've been wondering, like how do we go on from here so that we don't get lost? Because Toronto has such an immense, amazing, you know, population of indie artists that are all doing the same thing. So it's been stressful. It's been emotional. And I mean, personally, 
you know, I've, I personally, my whole world has kind of been turned upside down and I'm just kind of going with that, <laughs> you and know. that's coming out in the music, I take it. Yeah, for sure. So I'll, I won't speak for them. I, for me, it's like I, I, I'm trying for the first time in my life to be optimistic. Um, for the first time? Yeah, oh yeah, no, I'm like, I'm like a walking pessimist, um, oh. but it, it's just, it's, it's been like, uh, part of me hasn't been super affected just because of the nature of, you know, kind of how my life's been, like, optimistic in the sense that, like, I don't mind being home as much, but then, like, every, like, every weekend, I just start feeling really down because I should be in some like shitty motel getting ready to play some show <laughs> in some like in some city I've never been to with two people that I'd like love more than anything and it's just like I'm not able to do that and it sucks so much and it like kills me inside and I try to be positive because you know I take I'm taking the time to try and get better at like synthesizing new sounds and new production for us yeah. um and and just getting better at whatever I can possibly get better at right now. And, and part of me also thinks that, like like we were saying before, it, this is really like the first time we've had the ability to sit down and like cohesively like really like dig deep into the songs because normally it's just like we're trying, like we're on a time crunch and it's just like, well shit, we got to be on the road again. We have like six or seven shows coming up the next week. And let's try and just get like this song done as best we can and get back to it after, or like chisel it out on the road at like the shows. So it's just like it's kind of a give or take. But again, there's a sea of noise online, and like we don't necessarily have a, have an interest in trying to compete to the top. And part of it is kind of part part of this feeling that like what I start getting wrapped up in anxiety because I start looking at the news, and I was I was told by my partner to stop looking at the news so much and everything because I get like I'm super involved in that in, in politics and I just I, it gets it gets me hard um, but part of the thing that's kind of nice to sort of sit back on is is the fact that even though we're we feel like we're spinning our wheels we're in the same position right now as like the bands we grew up listening to like we, my some of my favorite bands like you know we're doing as many shows right now as Ramshan's doing as Nine Inch Nails is doing Everybody's in the same boat. Which is done. Undertone of competitive nature and music that shouldn't exist. Good but, point. But but it's nice. True. It's it's kind of nice because like, you know, I've I've done competitive sport. The thing I love about music is there's like this organic aspect to it that doesn't need to be competitive, but it fucking turns into it because like humans are shitty and that's what they love doing. They start competing with each other. It's kinda, <laughs> where are you going with this? No, I'm just, it's kind of it's kind of nice to just like be able to like get a breath of air from all that shit and just yeah. be able to fucking make music sometimes. Whether it's forced or not, you have the time. Yeah. Exactly. So, yep. And what about your family? Because you've got a little one at home. Uh, it's actually kind of kind of nice being at home with him uh, and watching him grow up. I have, like, I do some remote work before this pandemic anyway, so I would have been... I, I end up... I would have, whether we were, like, on the road or not, I would have ended up spending more time with my kids than most people have nine-to-five jobs anyways. Yeah. Which is sort of kind of a unique and great position I'm in because I can I can actually be a musician and artist. You can be a musician and learn how to be a daddy all in one fell swoop. Yeah, I'm I'm working on that second one. <laughs> I love him and like that should take care of about like fifty percent of it. And the rest well, of it seventy five percent of it. The rest of it I'm gonna have to fucking sort out there. Well, you sort it out as you go. <laughs> He'll let you know. Yeah. How much time <laughs> yeah. Uh he's six months now. Oh my god. Yeah. It goes so fast. Yeah. But what about you? How has this affected you personally? 
Uh, no, definitely. I told myself when all of this got shut down uh, that I was just going to try to make the best of it. So I still come in here. Um, I've, been, I've actually probably been playing more drums now than ever. Then sort of the nice thing about being a drummer is I can just come in here for a couple hours a day and just plug into my, my Spotify and jam along to learn songs. And I've just been trying to deal with it by just sort of playing and working it's been nice having some time off to work on some of my my weak spots some stuff that I some stuff that I haven't really had the time to address in my playing but I, I don't know I don't want to use the energy to complain about it but they're like I mean there's days where it sucks there's some days there's definitely some days that are harder than others but for the most part I've just been trying to use this time as effectively and efficiently as I can and, you know, coming in here for a couple hours on my own and playing, I still leave with that that music rush, that, that, you know, it's a fraction of the feeling you get when you get off stage, but it's still there. I still love, I, I love, I love music, I love playing, and, like, no one can take that away from me, or any of us, really. No. I mean, I, I think it's, it, I don't really, the one cool thing when this is all over is if everyone did it right, we should all come out just shredding. Like, everyone, literally nothing else to do. It'd get better. Yeah. yeah. And the other, the other, like, on the personal level, the other, the nice thing is to spend a little bit more time to spend at home with my wife. Yeah. 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 And, um, that's been kind of a blessing. So we've been, it took, it's, I mean, it took Yeah, because all three of you have partners at home, yes? Mm-hmm. It took, I mean, I definitely took a... They're either loving it or hating it. <laughs> or it just goes, I think it just goes in waves. I mean, it, yeah. And, and yeah. no one, no one has had a great time this entire time, and no one has had an awful time this. Yeah. Just, it's up to it's up to us to look for the silver lining. Great segue into our first musical break. The first song we're going to hear is "Cry Wolf," which had just been released days prior to this interview. It's about fighting your demons and breaking out of your own misery before it takes control. The song opens with Carly's poignant, distinctive voice leading us into a crashing chorus of synth rock at its finest.
Welcome back to Love the Music, Episode 3 of the Pandemic Interviews, Conversations in a Changing Time. We just heard Cry Wolf by Hot Lips. You're listening to a pre-recorded interview I had with the band at the Rehearsal Factory in mid-June 2020. How are you keeping Hot Lips relevant to your audience? I don't think it's anything we've ever worried about before. No? Well, I mean, it's kind of what we were saying before, like... It is something we thought about a lot because of getting lost in the fray. But to be honest, we're doing what we can right now. We're still releasing music because there's no end in sight for this. So we're still releasing music. We're still going to be doing videos, photo shoots. And we're on schedule with kind of how we did it before in between shows. So we're still a force. We're still there. You might not be able to come see us right now. But... We have a handful of releases. We just released Cry Wolf a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. We have, we're going into the studio, um, and we've been doing, like, You Tonight interviews. We've been talking to magazines. We've been getting video reviews. Podcasts. Basically, at this point, all you can do as an indie band is get content, but content relevant to where you're going with your story. For us, it's just constantly putting out new material. So... That's what we're doing. We're just trying to stay on the train. It's all carefully curated. You don't want to tarnish your brand or oversaturate yourself. Just like you don't want to play in the same city too many times. You don't want to be just live streaming. And I mean, to be honest, live streaming is difficult. Um, it's difficult to pull off well. To pull off well. Yeah. Yeah. To pull off well is very difficult. To, to, to be able to engage someone um, with that sort of cyber barrier between you and them is is I mean but a really a really cool That's thing why I shut it down. a really cool thing about all of this and the one thing I was the most excited about when was this sort of the writing was on the wall is I was really curious and excited to see just how creative artists will get to get people like and it's been really interesting to see um I mean some people have done it much better than others but it's it's been really cool I think going on that, it's also one of those things where, you know, there's kind of a moment of desperation, especially in the beginning. And what we, I think we've maintained is everything we do, we want it to be on brand. So we're not just going to release us rehearsing in here raw. Like, that's not what we are. You know, for other bands, that works. But for us, like, we're not, we're not that. So everything we do is going to be... What you expect from us. And we want to make sure that we deliver that. And within that, you have the creativity, the adaptability, and the flexibility. You have to. But that's, I mean, that's that's just... You have to. You have to, but there's a lot that don't. But that's the industry the three of us came up in. I mean... We, when we grew up and we started all playing in bands, it was the age, the dawn of file sharing, the dawn of social media, the dawn of MySpace. We were, we were fucked from the beginning. I mean, like, we've, <laughs> we just didn't my, have a chance. <laughs> personally speaking, my entire career as a musician has been about adapting, um, yeah. at very little, at very least yearly, if not multiple times a year. Um, back when I, like, I, the dawn of YouTube, the dawn of iTunes, you know that the fact that that um, equipment and like like cameras and editing equipment and recording equipment became accessible at the home level. Like we've been dealing with these kinds of these these forced adaptations for our entire careers individually. Let alone just so this is like it sucks that we can't play live, but 
It's really just no wrench, fucking yeah. difference than like every other roadblock. So are you gonna sit there and fucking whine and complain that there's a tree in your path? Are you gonna figure out like are you gonna go over it, under it? Are you gonna drill through it? Are you gonna light it on fire? Or are you gonna go back? Yeah. You know. You've grown. All three of you have grown up in the age, basically, of the internet. Yeah, and the worst part, like, so, and we before that, like, we were exposed to like, like much music and MTV, and right? It's just, like, so do this you, huge stardom of music. So do you think that's helped? The millennials have grown up with the internet, with you know, social media, and keeping in mind that a, a Google uh, is only just fifteen years old, Facebook is only ten. That's crazy to think. Yeah. So how much do you think going forward that's going to affect the music? I mean, I know it's affected it now, but is it going to change? Are people going to start focusing more on the internet? I'm going to use the internet because it encompasses I everything. Don't know how they can or focus are more they going to be drawn the back into the clubs? It's I mean, not going away. This, is, go? like, this not, is the no. future, and to be honest, the new generation is... In my opinion, I might get shit on for this, but they're confusing reality with what is online. And that's kind of how people live now. Everything is an Instagram story. Everything is a moment, but you're not actually living it. So for us, we're really actually fortunate because we were before that time, before everything was online and captured, and you actually lived in that moment. So now to be on the other side and to see where the media is going and you need both sides, it's actually really helping our image to to portray what we what we are and how the music is supposed to come across because it's not only image, which is super important in the music industry, but it's also a feeling and I think a lot of people nowadays, they miss that part of it. In your own personal opinion, where do you think live music is headed? Right now there are, or there were, thousands of bands. And going into a club and watching five acts, by the time the fifth one played, I would literally forget who the first one was. Yeah. They had to be pretty damn Yeah, that was their fault. Right? Yeah, it was their fault. It was their fault. There's, it, you're inundated with so many performers. There are a lot of them that are in there. Are they in there because they think it's fun? Because it's, you know, they're thinking of sex, drugs, and rock and roll? Are they in there for... <laughs> and, hey, that still goes today. You get to a certain level, and people really, you know, you're touring. People know who you are. Do you think that the pandemic is going to cull the herd? Thank is it going to... And I know that's an odd way to put it. Who's actually going to stick it out? Well, I think what's my you know, is it going to be a more open playing field? For those I, if that the worst case, their asses if off? the worst case scenario happens and clubs that we know, like in the traditional sense, like places like, you know, like the Cherry those places can't survive this, um, which would be a bummer. They'll, I mean, we've talked about it, and if if there's there's always going to be veterans halls, there's always going to be church basements, just like bands like Black Flag and Fugazi used yeah. to do. If there's not a, a, to, to perform music, a people that are serious about it are going to make it happen one way or the other. Oh, Whether yeah. you perform in a backyard in the flatbed truck or... Like, I mean, live music's not going to be going anywhere. Right. But in the way that we're used to having it, yeah, that might... In the time that if all these clubs do close, there might be a, a little gap between the clubs closing. And I, I, it might be a good thing because maybe now those those bands that you know, practice once or twice and kind of suck and 
make people leave the club, and you know, and show up like, and show up and don't fucking bring anyone. Just because you play a guitar, you expect people to flock. Yeah, to just because just because you, like, you have a dream. Your dream doesn't make you entitled to anything. No. no, your dream is a really good starting point. So I don't know. I, I don't. I, I think maybe probably because it might not be as easy. You, you know, if, if you do rent a, a veterans hall or something, now you've got some overhead that you've got to make back, right? So it's it's a little bit more real to you. So that might be a positive thing, but live music's not going to go anywhere. I no. mean, we might not yeah. be able to go to, like, the amphitheater or the Scotiabank Center anytime soon. But, I mean, you guys, you better believe if there's a gathering of 50 people allowed, there's going to be somebody's oh, yeah. backyard... Sure. With and, and you know what that I, the way I grew up playing shows the way I grew up in high school is it was basements, backyards, church basements, YMCA's like if yeah. it, it would be all concrete and tile it sound like shit. Legions. Yeah, we so bring so many. And they're fucking fun. But we, it's, we, we've done like underground shows like yeah, in the last co- couple of years. Co- we did in the last year. They're always fucking fun. You show up, you're like, okay, well, is this going to work? And it's awesome because everybody's there. They give a shit. They're not just there because they want to grab a beer and then some shitty bands on. That they're yeah, they're there with a purpose. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe it will be. But live, like, it's not going anywhere. And. Um, I don't know. Maybe this this shake up and this over this shake up of everything and how oversaturated. Maybe it will thin the herd a little bit. Everyone's got the right to make. Don't get me wrong. Everyone's got the right to make music, and play. But like, if you, if you're sort of trying to do it on a more professional level, there's you have to sort of treat it as such. And yeah, there's a lot of shitty bands out there. And I mean, that's fine if you want to play. Oh <laughs> but if you're if you're gonna show up to like if you're gonna show up to like a cherry colas and bring nobody. Yeah, you know. Like, yeah, maybe your fucking days are get done. And how, does that, and how does that benefit the bars too? Like they get fucked over all the time because of bands. Like We've had bands open for us that are so bad that people will leave. Yeah. So that's going back to what you said before, where you couldn't remember the first band. So that was actually a problem with a scene like Toronto that was so saturated, where it was kind of a goldmine at first for promoters. They load the bill and music was pumping, and then it got to a point where anyone who who could say they were in a band was booked without being looked at and the bills became you know questionable and a lot of people stopped coming because they knew they'd pay 10 bucks and the bands wouldn't be great i'd rather see no band than a shitty band and it's it was just kind of like a, a storm of you know the amount of bands and promotions and just, you know, kind of lacks on quality, to be honest. And yep. being someone who's been doing this for, you know, like almost two decades, like I was really pissed when I'd come to a show and I'd be opening for someone who'd only been playing for like six months. And that's kind of where it went in that moment. So I think with what you're saying is this could be a good thing thinning out the herd of people that actually care. It's going to be a little bit more effort to play live than yeah. just showing yeah. up and, and being first of six on a bill it's and sharing yeah. gear. Like and if, if you're not willing to put in the work, then you you don't really deserve to be there. We, we've been in some, like, we've been in some pretty, like, dodgy, like, hotels and motels, and it's just, like, it's one of those where we sit there and we joke, it's like, well, how bad do you want it? Yeah, that's our, that's our, that's right. How bad do you want it? <laughs> There's no lock in the store. How bad do you want it? 
I wanted that on first watch. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's, I think, I think the, the opportunity, is, it's not an opportunity, I think it's going to level the playing field a little bit. I think it's going to clean house. Yeah. I hope or, so. Yeah. The other thing too is, it's specu- we can only speculate as much, so much, because like, there's just no way of fucking knowing what's where this is gonna go. What we've done is we we have uh, I don't want to get into it too much, but we have sort of a plan A, B, and C going mm-hmm. forward for the rest of the year. And if if plan A, which plan A is definitely going back to the more traditional sense of playing live, yeah. If that doesn't happen, we have a plan B, which is a more alternative way that we can play shows. If if, if gatherings are still banned, then we have a plan C. And we're still going to, like Carly said, we're still going to make music, be creative, and yeah. push ourselves, push our musicianship, push the bands. We love this too much. What do you think about the drive-in? After the whole drive-in? drive-in thing that's happening. I like it. How do they applaud? Like the windshield? No, it's <laughs> physically on their cars. People are in their sunroofs. It's a scene, honestly, right now, because it's new, it's a scene. It's really cool. I love it. Um, I think, uh, uh, you know, like everything, eventually the the novelty of it will wear off a bit and people are going to want that physical interaction. But I think right now this is a start. Yeah, it's a I, perfect start. I don't think I, it's, I don't think they we I don't think we've landed on COVID solution for large gatherings no. to enjoy music, but that is a a, a good start. Like yeah. the, the 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 best I've seen. I, I think the to the flaming lips did. Yeah, that was pretty funny. No. They, they, you know, even, they have the huge bubble. He climbed in the bubble. So they oh all played in the bubble, God. and the fans were in the bubbles. Yeah. Everyone. That's Everyone. brilliant. Yeah, see, that, that's great. That's the brilliant. logistics. I actually... Well, see, and that's, that's, that's the other incredible. thing. That's the other thing about, about drive-ins and stuff like that is... You'd have to build a new stage. And it definitely, it definitely lends itself to some of the more established acts to pull it off first. Yeah. So yeah, bands sure. like us that are still, you know, working towards building a following in an audience, we're sort of going to be a little further down the line to enjoy something like that. But um, someone's going to come across it. Someone, they, people are so clever. People are so great that someone's going to stumble upon, or a couple of people are going to stumble upon a couple of different ideas, and it's just going to be a hybrid, and we're going to be back, back, sure. back to the races. And the reality is, this is the new normal, like everyone's saying. You're probably going to have to start signing a liability contract when you buy tickets going forward. You know, safety yeah. measures. Like, this is the new normal until they figure out the future of pandemics which this won't be the last and are they gonna vaccine well I mean, for this yeah. one this one <laughs> yeah, <laughs> actually yeah. like i i kind of like the drive-in thing i hate it like i i grew up going to shows with like mosh pits and stuff and like being in situations like some of my most oh my memorable God. shows monster I've truck well drive-in yeah okay oh! Oh! On that note, this next piece is a very powerful song and has the video to match. Femicide, released on January 21st, is Hot Lips' most recent addition to their catalog. From the description on YouTube, Femicide discusses the persistent and deliberate human and indigenous rights violations and abuses, particularly Canada's staggering rates of violence against First Nations, Inuit, and Métis women, girls, Two-spirit, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, questioning, intersex, and asexual people. The video depicts the horrors of Canada's residential school system and a systematic joint effort by the church and government to strip culture and tear families apart, and in the process, 
murder an unknown number of children. Welcome back to Love the Music, Episode 3 of the Pandemic Interviews, Conversations in a Changing Time. We just heard Femicide by Hot Lips, released just two weeks ago on January 21st. You're listening to a pre-recorded interview I had with the band at the Rehearsal Factory in mid-June 2020. Going back and looking at your own careers, but looking outside of that, how do you think this pandemic thing is going to affect up-and-coming artists? Well, like we've seen, there were lots of tours that were that were booked, and those artists are going to suffer a lot now, which is really heartbreaking 
from you know as by outside perspective and like we 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 didn't really end up losing anything because it was all indie booked but i think it's going to be a 50 50 i think there's going to be a lot of bands like we said that are going to hurt from this from what they had booked um and i think there's going to be the opposite where there's up and comers that you know this is their moment to actually really reflect like what everyone's doing and take a look at where the industry is going because like Keith said a lot of the signed artists are going to have a bit of a head start there's always that you know they get a little bit of the inside scoop first but there's for an artist this is all the time in the world right now we don't get this time ever there's a constant amount of pressure as a, as a, especially as a new band to you know, keep trying to be heard. Like everything, like any industry out there, restaurants, bars, bands, anything. everything. There's gonna be winners and losers, and it's not gonna be fair. There's gonna be some that are going to to find a way or just by dumb luck thrive, and there's gonna pe- be people that are absolutely crippled um, by no fault of their own. And there's gonna be some people in between. I think the there's, uh, my, my heart goes out to, to some artists that maybe had their first big release in this time. I, I, don't, I can't speak. I don't know what the future holds for them, and I don't want to generalize, but like when I see a, a band that or an artist that had a lot of hype coming into this, and then to see a, you know an artist that has a real upwards organic trajectory, and for this just to pull the rug from under them, yeah, is, is fucking heartbreaking. And I, my heart, like I feel way worse for them than I do for for us. Because it's the team, too. They're in the same boat, even though they're on the industry side. They're they're in the same boat as us. This is commission-based. And if they have nothing to work on, the rug's pulled from everyone. Yeah, there's no... There's no... There's no... There's no savings account. There's no, like, Scrooge McDuck vault that they can go dive in and pull some... It's like, if this is a... a very specific example. (laughs) I can picture it now. Yes, so can I. The last thing is, is what's one positive thing that's come out of all of this? And you've probably already sort of answered it in a way, but I'm going to ask the question again. One positive, Mr. Optimist... Doctor Optimus, let's go. Time that we never knew we had, uh, and never knew we'd ever have, and like just some constraints being lifted off of us to just be songwriters. Honestly, like that you can't ask for that. And everybody's on pause. It's just like constraints gone. Yeah. Um, in ter- like personally or in terms of the band. Oh. In terms of the band, it's it's been healthy for us to sometimes I think if we if this hadn't happened and we had kept working with the intensity that we had been because I'm 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 the I'm the most guilty one where I'm I'm like let's go like let's go like but I'm t- like you know what I mean like like no no like we have to keep going let's keep going let's keep going so sometimes I wonder if this didn't happen where we might be at the end of that tour you know, nothing's not that things are rocky or whatever, but like we just we really had never had the time to stop and catch our breath. Burnt out a little. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So that's been really fortunate, and I think that the the stuff that we're doing and the stuff that Carly's writing and that we're all collaborating on is our strongest to date. And I don't think, that, of course, we would have Carly would have kept writing great songs, but I think there's just a certain flavor to it. And uh, personally, personally, 
Uh-huh. You spend so much more time with your wife, which is lovely. And uh, and actually, just playing the drums by myself, I've been able to play like a lot more. Like it's weird because I'm always on the road and I'm always doing band stuff, but sometimes just working on a, a good old paradiddle, you know, kind of goes out the window. I started doing scales. <laughs> or I started doing scales more on bass all the time. Like I haven't done that. No, that's true. Like, Going back to technique. Yeah, and, like, I fucking love. And it, just like, reconnecting, reconnecting personally with like. A lot of the music and a lot of the the videos and stuff that got me into this mess when I was like eight, you know. So sort of almost rediscovering my love for it again. Mm-hmm. Not that it ever went away, but it just it you know I just poured a little bit more gasoline on the fire because it's it's crazy when you're when you're in the middle of it. It's nuts. You're just you're just going. Like there's no time to stop yeah. and think about what just happened. You get back from a tour and you're just like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> you like, know what next? Yeah, and then you have like a day, and then yeah, what next? So that that those are, those are my silver linings. Paradiddle, double paradiddle, and triple flam tap. All right, all right. <laughs> Inverted Swiss triplets. <laughs> what does a drummer use for birth control? His personality. <laughs> well, that's what you get sitting in a room with a couple of drummers. You've just listened to my conversation with the band Hot Lips, Carly Forget, Alex Black, and Keith Hepler. Thank you, everyone, for sharing your time and inviting us into your cars, offices, and homes. I am Pat Blythe, and you're listening to Love the Music. Have a great day and a wonderful evening.